Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, written by C.S. Lewis, is widely known. Like any fantasy, it has its spectacle in a wonderful world full of talking animals, powerful witches, and magical creatures. But when you boil things down, this story has so much more to it. Yes, when you pause and you look just a little bit deeper, you can pull out what makes this story as enjoyable and impactful as it has been for decades. The story of love triumphing over evil. Something I'm sure you've never heard of before. 100% original. <laughs> Jokes aside, C.S. Lewis took this tried and true story and he added his own touch to it, using the world of Narnia as an example of a world stuck in despair and controlled by evil. His villain, the White Witch, is the living, breathing form of this evil. She uses her power to capture and freeze the hearts of ordinary people and put them underneath her spell. One of these ordinary people is a fawn named Tumnus, who has been commanded to bring to her any human that dares enter Narnia. But you see, Tumnus is not a bad fawn. No, Tumnus would never bring ill will to anyone. It is his fear of the white witch and what she may do to him that causes him to feel as though he has no choice. Lucy is an innocent and bubbly little girl whose family has moved to the countryside to avoid a devastating war. She finds herself stepping through an ordinary wardrobe and into an extraordinary world. Innocent as she is, she has no idea she stepped into the world of Narnia. Snow? This is incredible. Wait till the others see this. A lamppost grown from the ground? Oh my, you startled me. Um, if I may ask, are you a beardless dwarf? Of course not. I'm a girl. Uh, are you a daughter of Eve? Well, my mom's name is... I mean, are you human? Of course I'm human. What are you? Why, I'm a fawn, of course. Um, where did you come from? Well, you see, we were playing hide-and-seek. And I went into the wardrobe in the spare room. And I found myself here in... Where am I exactly? Why, this is Narnia, of course. Everything from the lamppost, to the Queen's Palace, to Care Prevail, to everything in between. To the Great River with the Beaver's Dam, to the Frozen Lake, to the Shuddering Woods, to the Stone Table. Why, it's all Narnia. Narnia? That's an awfully big wardrobe. 
have to show Peter, Susan, and Edmund. And they are? My brothers and sister. They would love to see this. Ah, uh, yes, two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve. Yes, you must certainly bring the others. I could just introduce you to the witch. I mean, the queen. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Tumnus, Mr. Tumnus. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Tumnus, Lucy Pevensey. Oh, you shake it. Why? I don't know. People do when they meet each other. Well, Lucy Pevensey, from the wondrous <laughs> land of Spare Um to the shining city of Wardrobe, how would you like to come and have tea with me? Oh, I really should be heading back. But it's just right around the corner. There'll be a large fire, hot tea, cake, and we may even break into the sardines. It's not every day you get to meet a new friend. Well, I suppose I could come for a little while, if you have sardines, but just for a few minutes. The others might wonder where I've gone. Well, have you ever had an ordinary thing turn into the extraordinary? There's my pen. <laughs> I was wondering where that went. <laughs> something surprising happened that you didn't expect and it turned into something wonderful. Well, that's what happened with Lucy. Lucy was in this family that was currently hiding out from the war and her father was off fighting in the war. And she was fearful for her safety as much as his. They were hiding out in this big country house and her fears and the silence of that big house drove her to try to find something fun to do. And they began to play, her and her brothers and sister. And they were playing hide and seek like you heard in the little skit and then she found this wardrobe to hide in and it transports her into this magical land with mythical creatures. But it was also cold and it was a dark world. The Narnia story goes on to reveal how Lucy's kindness touches Tumnus' heart. He was going to take her and her brothers and sisters to the White Witch. But her love created a change. And her entrance into Narnia brought about this freedom for Tumnus from the White Witch's spell. The evil clutches that she had on the entire country. They eventually meet the great lion, Aslan. And the one, he is the one who brings life and love back to the entire land of Narnia. This story of Narnia is the gospel story. Christmas is often celebrated through gift-giving. Yet the greatest gift that has ever occurred on earth was that God gave up heaven to be born a helpless child, a baby, to walk among us, to experience the pain and the suffering that we experience, the rejection and the ridicule, but then the death and resurrection so that we might have life and experience love. What is, the mo what is the most memorable gift that you have ever received? <clears throat> Anyone want to shout one out? What's the most memorable gift you've ever received? <laughs> Any others? <clears throat> huh? A child. 
a child, especially if you didn't expect to have one and you weren't sure you could. Well, my stepmother died a few months ago, and this past Friday would have been their 27th wedding anniversary. Their anniversary loomed in my dad's mind. He knew the day would be difficult. The waves of grief, never knowing when they'll hit, it's just tough, and many of you have experienced that. And yet, he knew this date would be the biggest wave yet. Early in the morning, on their anniversary, something arrived in front of his house. And I think we have a picture of the picture. I think we have a picture of it. It is a Porsche 911 GT3 RS. This was his dream car. Is there a picture up there? <laughs> um, this is a car that he had wished for many times in his life. It was a gift from his wife. She had purchased it ahead of time for him for their anniversary. Following many tears <laughs> and a couple hours of grief, he began to look closer at this gift that she had sent him and discovered that she had actually set up driving lessons as well, along with the car, so that he could go to a special track in Vegas to learn how to handle this new powerful machine. Now, while this gift doesn't replace her and the hole that her de death has left, it is a revelation of the love that she had for him and her desire to bring him joy even in the midst of her absence. He said, you know, it's a nice distraction from grief. It gives me something to focus on, to look forward to, and it sure is fun to drive. <laughs> well, the people of Israel had not heard from God for, from the time of the final words of the prophet Malachi to the opening verses of the Gospel of Matthew. And this period of time is known as the 400 years of silence. 400 years where they had heard no prophet, no one to hear the voice of God to speak to the people. They had been under oppression. Many governments had ruled over them. They were currently under the control of Rome. And during those 400 years, there were pagan empires that fell and rose, rose and fell. And Alexander the Great actually managed to conquer what seemed to be the entire world at the time, but didn't quite conquer Jerusalem. Now, the Old Testament was also during this time translated into Greek, which was at that time a common language. It, it crossed ethnic groups, which provided the scriptures for people. The common people to read. So because of that, even in this weary world, there was an air of expectancy as people began to hope and wait for this promised Messiah they could read about in the scriptures. And all of these things worked together to create a world that was hungry and desperate for change. Are we hungry and desperate for change? A world that senses its darkness and hopelessness. I think sometimes we're in that same place. The time was ripe for God to do something miraculous, to intervene. And when all hope was lost, 
and the world was at its darkest, God showed up in a totally unexpected way. Just as my dad <laughs> received this unexpected gift, right? My stepmom showed, this unex showed up in an unexpected way to confirm her love. Now, God's purposes never end, and he is always working. He's working on our behalf. He doesn't change. And so in the middle of hopelessness, in the middle of feeling like maybe God isn't present or maybe he's silent, you can't hear him, he is always working for good on your behalf. The world was hopeless, and that's when God showed up. Do you lack hope today? Where do you lack hope? because God wants to show up. And that's what he did then, that's what he does now. Because his purposes and plans endure forever. They never change. Are you in a waiting period, a period of silence like Israel? Remember that God is never silent. In fact, he's hard at work weaving together his plans of good and his purposes for your life. And they will exceed our expectations. In Luke 2.10, we read this verse. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The news of the angels was truly good news. This break in the 400 years of silence. Now, when you think of angels, what do you think of? Like, what comes to mind? This is what comes to mind for me. The pic this picture hung in my home growing up which became my idea of angels, beautiful, safe, gentle, protective. Christmas trees are topped with angels. They adorn gardens. They hang, on, hang or sit on shelves in our homes, and children are sure that guardian angels watch over them. But maybe this is a false sense of angels and what they're truly like, because it seems throughout Scripture, when angels appear they strike terror <laughs> to those who see them, like full-on terror. <laughs> and angels' first words are always, do not be afraid. And there are actually four references in, uh, to angels in the Gospels, the stories that tell about Jesus' birth. And we're going to look at all four of them today. The first one um, is Matthew 1.20. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Move forward with your plans. Maybe you need to hear that today. Don't be afraid. Move forward with your plans. Move forward with what God has for you. Luke 1.13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. What are your prayers? Because God wants to. He hears them and he wants to answer them. Luke 1.30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Do you need to hear that? You have found favor with God. Luke 2.10, but the angel said to them, the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. He brings good news today for each and every one of us. I hardly think we'd be afraid with our common perception of angels but the Bible describes angels as appearing like lightning. Anyone afraid of lightning? Anyone run? I know that animals run. <laughs> as soon as they see the lightning and the, or they hear the thunder because they know the lightning's coming, right? So they run and hide. 
And then it says that angels' voices are like a multitude. So it's not like just one person talking. It's like a huge, massive voice with multiple voices all like caught up in one. I mean, that might be a little scary. I might be a little freaked out as well. But we see that also angels bring a sense of awe and well-being, providing peace and joy to their hearers. What gifts does God want to bring us? What are his gifts of Christmas for us this season? The angels represent one of God's gifts to us, or two kind of wrapped up in one, the gift of courage and of peace. Do not be afraid. This is the angel's message. Our fears are eradicated when God is present. Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Our fears are eradicated when God is present. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Have peace. Unwrap. That means we have to do something to receive courage. We have to do something with it. Unwrap God's gift of courage this season. Take hold of it and let him lead you in peace to the other gifts that he has for you. Today, we're going to look at all four angelic encounters at Jesus' birth or involving Jesus' birth. And we're going to discover these other gifts that he has for us. Luke 1 tells the story of a priest named Zechariah. It says that he and his wife, Elizabeth, were righteous people, but God... I mean, they were righteous before God, but they were childless because she was unable to conceive. And then it adds this line, and they were now very old. Don't you like it when we get told we're old? (laughs) God calls them old. But the thing is, is that in that day and age, if you were childless, people assumed you weren't righteous. I think that's why the scriptures say they were righteous before God even though maybe people did not think so. But when it came Zachariah's turn to go into the temple to burn incense for the people, an angel appeared to him, which startled him, and it gripped him with fear. But, the angel said, don't be afraid. Zach, listen up. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will receive joy because of his birth, because he will be great in God's eyes, full of the Holy Spirit, even before he is born, and he'll bring many people of Israel back to the Lord their God. That is powerful. That was what they were waiting for. He will have the spirit and power of Elijah, the great prophet, and he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedience back to righteousness and wisdom, making people ready for the Lord's coming. He was going to make people ready for the Lord's coming. What a powerful message for a parent to hear about their child. Well, after Zach returns home, his wife becomes pregnant, and she says, the Lord's done this for me. He's shown his favor. He's taken away my shame, my humiliation. I've experienced because of my barrenness, because of what I didn't have. Maybe you live in that place right now and you're, you feel humiliated or shame and God wants to say, I see you. I am removing that. I am bringing you mercy. 
Mercy is something that gives evidence of divine favor or blessing, an act of kindness, compassion, or favor. And this is exactly what Zachariah and Elizabeth recognized as God's hand upon their lives. They knew they were undeserving, were undeserving of God's mercy, yet he chose to extend his mercy to them. This gift of mercy is another gift of God's, which is undeserved. God says, I bring you mercy. Do you need mercy today? The mercy of God is undeserved. Yet, Luke 1.50 says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Zachariah and Elizabeth's son is known as John the Baptist. And he was pre-sent to proclaim that who Jesus was. He was pre-sent a present of truth-telling to the world. The truth of the good news is God's unlimited grace. God's unlimited grace. Sending his own son to surrender his heavenly position. His throne of power for a cradle. The creator becomes the created. This is God's generous gift of grace to us. To make a way for a severed creation. Severed from God severed from one another, but making a way upon the bruised and broken back of a Savior, creating a bridge to once again be redeemed to our Creator and to our creation, the creation. This gift is the good news. It is good news. And the book of Matthew tells of our second angelic encounter that we're looking at today. A man named Joseph is pledged to be married, or she's, he's engaged to a woman named Mary, who tells him, hey, Joe, I'm pregnant. I haven't been with another man, though, because God miraculously gave this baby to me. He is a little upset, does not quite know what to do. He doesn't want to humiliate her, so he decides he should break off the engagement silently. But an angel appears to him in a dream, saying, Joe, I know you come from the line of David, and you don't want your good name ruined. You're a righteous man. But don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a boy, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will be the one who saves his people from their sins. The Bible says that he woke up and he did what the angel said to do. He actually went and he took Mary home as his wife. He helped her not live in humiliation or shame, even though he didn't sleep with her until Jesus was born. But he protected her. He recognized God's grace was upon her, and he then extends his grace to her as well. And just as Zachariah and Elizabeth experienced God's gift of undeserved mercy, Joseph and Mary experienced God's gift of unlimited grace. God's grace is unlimited. Romans 3, 23 through 24 says, For all have sinned, all, everyone, and fall short of the glory of God. And all, everyone, are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. It is this grace that brings about an incomparable joy. 
Our third angelic encounter is the story of Jesus' birth. The story of Mary. She's a teenage girl, pledged to be married to this man, Joseph. An angel shows up and tells her, Mary, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God, and you're going to have a baby, a little boy, and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High God. And he will be given the throne of David, and he will reign over Israel again, but his kingdom will never end. And Mary's like, how can this happen? I mean, I've never been with a man. But the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of God will overtake you. Even now, I mean, you know your old cousin Elizabeth, see even here he calls her old, is pregnant. <laughs> even though she was never able to conceive, God's word will never fail. God's word will never fail. Maybe you need to hear that today. Mary responds by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Do we say that to the Lord? I am your servant. Whatever you want to do, may you just do it. Then she hurries to visit her cousin. And when she arrives at Zach and Beth's house, the baby in Beth's womb literally jumps for joy, Scripture tells us. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Mary then begins to praise God and she says, my soul is filled with joy. My spirit rejoices in God. He noticed a poor servant girl. And from now on, I will be blessed because God has done great things for me. God has done great things for me. Has he done great things for you? Because this good news is something that will cause great joy. Great joy, an in uncompar incomparable, unquenchable, unspeakable joy. God's joy is unspeakable. As soon as the sound of that greeting reached Elizabeth's ears, the baby jumped, leaped for joy in her womb. Mary rejoiced because of this child. It brings joy. The fourth and final angelic encounter is found in Luke 2. There were shepherds living out in the fields, protecting their sheep. And shepherds were nomadic. They moved from place to place, never quite settled. So they were generally single males without children. Often they were the youngest in a family, the youngest son. So they had no land that they would be given that would fall to them and inherited. They were often isolated from others, living a lonely life, very little material possessions. And one night, an angel appeared to them. The glory of God shone all around them, Scripture says, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Hey guys, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. It's going to cause great joy for everyone on earth. Today, in the town of David, a Savior is born. He's the Messiah, the Lord that you've all been waiting for. You will know him, though. This is a sign for you that when you find a baby wrapped in cloths, he'll be lying in a manger. This is unusual, so pay attention 
Look for a baby in a manger. A host of angels appeared and they were praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to all. When the angels left and went into heaven, the shepherds said to each other, well, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go check it out. See if it's real. So they run off and they find Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. I always wonder, how did they even find them, right? <laughs> when they saw him, they told everyone what they'd seen and what they were told by the angels. And everyone who heard it was amazed. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for everything they'd heard and seen. Glorifying God everything they'd heard and seen. God specifically chose these shepherds to be the first to hear the great news of Jesus' birth. It is a powerful reminder that God's love exists for all people. The lonely, the isolated, the poor, the neglected. Do you feel that way right now? Because his great news, his good news is for you, for all people. For all people, his love is for you. For all people. The love of God is unending. It's unending. In fact, in Ephesians 3:18, it says this: And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. I recently found this wonderful Christmas version of the most well-known love poem, 1 Corinthians 13. I thought I would share it with you this morning. If I decorate my house perfectly with streamers, strands of twinkling lights, and shiny balls, but do not show love to my family, I am just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen, baking dozens of mince pies, preparing gourmet meals, and arranging a beautifully adorned table, but do not show love. I am just another cook. If I work at the soup kitchen, sing carols on the church steps, and give all that I have to charity, but don't show love, it profits me nothing. If I decorate the tree with baubles and fairy lights and attend a myriad of Christmas parties, but do not focus on Christ, I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to listen to loved ones. Love is kind, though harried and tired. Let's be honest. <laughs> Love doesn't envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. <laughs> Love doesn't yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful they are there to be in the way. Love doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who can't. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Video games will break, pearl necklaces will be lost, golf clubs will rust, but giving the gift of love will endure. You see, the virgin conceived, gave birth to a son, and they, called, they will call him, they called him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christmas is a season that highlights this word Emmanuel. We sing about it. But it means God with us. It is a Hebrew word which literally means 
with us is God. Because the emphasis is on the with us. Is he with you? Do you recognize he's with you? The Greek translation changed the letters to be Emmanuel with an E, which means God is with us, which is what we generally say today. But the emphasis is with us is God. This little word in the English language that is used here is often overlooked, but very powerful and critically transformational. Think about it for a minute. With. Will you spend the rest of your life with me? In World War II, it was when America joined with the Allied troops in Europe that turned the tide of that war. From the time of my stepmom's cancer diagnosis until the moment she took her final breath, my dad stayed with her, by her side as her sole caregiver. This is a powerful picture of love that represents the love God has for us in his omnipresence, always present. God said, we will be called, we will call him Emmanuel because he will be with us. God's unending love created a pathway for God to dwell with us, first in the Garden of Eden, before sin entered the world, and then through the birth of Jesus, which is what we celebrate now, as a human being coming to earth to live with us. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he promised the Holy Spirit would then come to live with in us. And finally, the promise that once again, Jesus will return to earth. He will establish a heavenly kingdom where we will be with him forever. This is the gift of his presence, the gift of his presence. It's the most powerful gift of all, and this gift comes with all the others in spades. His presence changes everything. Will you acknowledge God with you? I want to acknowledge God with me today. God with me. Do you need Emmanuel, God, with you? Maybe you've never accepted his presence in your life. Maybe you just need to say, God, yes, I want you to be with me. Do you need a greater awareness of his presence? Maybe you've just been caught up in all the season and all the busyness and have just forgotten what it's all about in the first place, that God is with us. Let's live with a greater awareness of God's presence in our lives and receive all the gifts he has for us so that we can not only hold on to them for ourselves, but share them with others. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your incredible presence. Lord, I pray right now that if there is anyone in this room or online who has never received that presence for themselves, Lord, that right now they would just say yes to you. God, I need you. I understand that I am a sinner, that I am only saved by your grace that is freely provided for me. And I do want you to be with me. I receive that today. Lord Jesus, for those who have already made that decision, have already chosen you, help us be aware of your presence. Help us not be lost or caught up in the things around us that we forget, that we ignore, that we lose sight of your very presence with us each moment, of the gifts that you have for us this season 
Help us receive your mercy, your grace, your love. Lord God, thank you for your incredible presence. Help us live in it in greater awareness each day. In your name, Lord, amen. Thanks, Heidi, for that word. Thank you so much. I married the right woman. <laughs> and it's not just because I get to drive her dad's car at Christmas, although I am looking forward to that. <laughs> um, if you're visiting with us for the first time today, I encourage you to go by the kiosk, pick up a first-time visitor's gift. It's the best first-time visitor's gift I've ever seen a church give away, and I'm not kidding. So if that's you, be sure to go by and pick that up. Also, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, then I would also encourage you to go by the kiosk in the lobby and get a new believer's packet. That'll help you get started in your relationship with Christ. Well, this Thursday again, Thursday? Is that right? Friday. When's Christmas Eve? <laughs> this Friday is Christmas Eve. I'll see you at 4.30, at 6, or at 7.30. It's going to be a great time together. Also, in the lobby, there's a table for North Coast Bible Institute. Just this weekend, we have that table out. We have two new classes starting in January. Uh, one of them is Biblical Exegesis. If you want to learn how to study the Bible deeply and well, that would be a great class for you to take. Also, we have Christian Counseling. You don't have to want to be a therapist to take the Christian Counseling class. It'll help you know how to counsel your friends who are struggling with addiction or depression or mental health issues or going through a crisis. It'll give you the tools that you need to do that. And so North Coast Bible Institute is a great school that we have right here at Faith Center. Our faculty includes Presbyterian ministers, Baptist ministers, Foursquare ministers. The pastor from First Covenant is on our faculty. So it's a very diverse group of excellent teachers. It's a legitimate Bible college. So um, consider that. Stop by the table in the lobby. You might just take a class. You can do them online or in person, either way. Well, as we give our offerings today, I just want to confess that I'm not always the best gift giver. And so just this week, I received a box from UPS, dropped off at our house. And I don't know which boxes I'm supposed to open, which ones I'm not supposed to open. Like, is it a gift for me or is it a gift for someone else? So I open up this gift, this box, and in it is a dog hair dryer. Okay, it's like a professional dog groomer's hair dryer. It looks like a little jet engine. So I open the whole thing out, and I'm like chasing our dog around. He's running from the thing. And I'm like, Heidi, who would have gotten us a dog hair dryer? And so I call my son, and I'm talking to him about it on the phone. And he's with his wife on speakerphone. And she's like, it was on my wish list. Needless to say, Heidi ordered it. And I told my son and daughter-in-law that we had their gift for them already. So no surprise for them. We opened it. It's got a little dog hair on it because I already used it once. But we're going to give it to them anyway. Kind of messed that one up. You know, I think some people, when they give to the Lord, they're, they're afraid. You know, could I mess this up? How should I give? And I do think sometimes people do make mistakes when they give to the Lord. But Jesus was really clear, and the Bible is really clear. Give cheerfully, right? Give quietly. Give as an expression of your worship. Give with thanksgiving. So I encourage you to do that today. You can give online through our website. Always, you can always go to eurekafaithcenter.org and give. We're coming up to the very end of the year, so if you're traveling, you want to give one more offering before the end of the year, you can always go to the website. That's an easy way to give. So Lord, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I thank you for this church. Thank you for what you are doing in our lives even today to remind us of your love. 
Lord, we give you these offerings, and I pray that you would help each one of us just know how to give in a way that glorifies you cheerfully, quietly, worshipfully, with thanksgiving, and trusting you as our provider. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Go with God as God goes with you today. Thank you.